Thank you, this choir and praise band and orchestra. Terry, I know you're proud of all of them. They've been here for a couple of minutes these last uh, months. But thank you for rehearsing and blessing people in so many different ways. Wait a minute, there's not a game that I'm into. That. Well, I might as well leave it up here now. It is a helmet. Stay there. But I do have some candy. Yeah, but I don't know if people like this kind of thing. Baby Ruth, Jaredelli chocolate, Skittles, Twix, Milky Way, Tootsie Roll Pop. Do we have any children out there that sort of, kind of, sort of, kind of would like that? You keep looking. Why don't you come up here? Yes. Thought we'd, where's Kevin? Thought we'd shift it up a little bit here. Right? Because you don't have to be like nine or ten to like him. If you'll stand in front. Thank you. Do you, do you sir, do you like candy? Yes. yes, he said. That's, that's an emphatic. There's some good things in there, but you have to pass a certain test. And what you do is, you put on this helmet and when you jump off the balcony, no, I'm only kidding. You're not gonna, we're not doing that. We have some riddles from Bubba's book of Christmas wisdom. And this young man, tell us, what, what grade are you in, sir? Uh, tenth grade. Tenth grade. He should be able to get, should he, is he going to be able to do all right? The young ladies like you. I'm glad that we're, I'm not mad. We're all jealous. All right. If you'll face out here, stand right directly in front of this pulpit. Question number one from Bubba's Book of Christmas Wisdom. What do you call a Santa with no money, sir? Time is up. (laughs) Everyone knows it's Saint Nicholas. Wasn't that bad? See? Yeah, he's heard before too. That's right. Don't tell on yourself now. Don't do it. That's good. All right. We have another try. You still can win this delicious bag of candy you can get. Okay, here we go. What do you call a boy who doesn't believe in Santa? He said hopeless. Well, close. (laughs) It's actually rebel without a clause. Don't you love that? It's awful, right? It's okay. One more try. Okay, face out to the crowd. Let's see if you got this one down. Maybe you know this one. It's pretty well common knowledge. Okay, Uh, let's see. Here we go. What is Santa's nationality? What nationality is Santa? He said everything. That is not Bubba's answer. Here is Bubba's answer. He is North Polish. (laughs) All right, well, should we try a bonus question? Okay, this one you'll probably get. Okay, here we go. What's the difference between the Christmas alphabet and the ordinary alphabet? Bam. The Christmas alphabet has no L. 
But since we had a good-looking young guy that came up here, I'm going to let them vote today with your applause. Should he get this bag of candy? That's right. It's going to help. God bless you. That's great. Give him another hand. Thank you. We have some great, great students. Thank you. Representing all of our students there. Zero for four. I mean, you did a great job. You did a great job. I didn't, listen, the worse of the joke, the better the response, right? Thank you for your help with that. And only going to show you, are you smarter than a fifth grader, right? And that young man is. Thank you. Today we're going to look at a message that has to do with Christmas wisdom, actually. And in Christmas wisdom, by the way, welcome all those on our simulcast. We don't have candy for you. You have to get your own. But we're glad you're worshiping with us today, whether you're at the beach, the mountains, or around the world. Thank you for being with us today. Today's message, John's name is God's message. John's name is God's message. Today we look at the book of Luke, chapter 1. And of course, we're talking about John the Baptist. You say, where's your denomination from? Well, John the Baptist founded it. See, y'all didn't even know he didn't, did you? <laughs> That's just his name. No, he didn't. But he's John the Baptist. It says in Luke 1, verses 13, 11 through 13, Word of God tells us, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. Hello, I'd be too. How about you, right? But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you'll give him the name John. There's so many unusual things about this. You could enumerate just so many of them. But of course, the angel being there, only two angels are mentioned by name in the Bible, Michael and Gabriel. Only two by name. John has this appearance. He's at the altar of incense. This is his time as a priest to be able to do that. He was selected for that. An incredible thing. It was his turn on this particular day. It says, God has heard your prayer. Going to have a son, and you're going to call his name John. Today's message, okay, has everything to do with John's name is God's message because the name John is a special name. I'm going to see that a little bit further down. But let's go in the next verse and see a little bit of the context. It said, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years. You will notice if you go into certain restaurants in our city or other places that give discounts, it doesn't say discount to those who are well along in their years. It says seniors or some other name designating you're old. This is the biblical nice way of saying, well along in years. It means they couldn't have children anymore. But it's kind of polite and nice. They couldn't do that. They were both beyond that. And so, in that day and time, of course, I'm not going to go into great detail with it because I think you can understand. They wanted to have children. And in that day and time, passing on your name was so important. You, you named a child to carry on your family name, your legacy. That's why even uh, Simon Bar-Jonah... Simon Bar, son, son of Jonah. You got the name, you carried on the family name. And so this was not to be. They prayed, they prayed, no doubt. Prayed till they, well, they probably cried. 
begged on their knees, maybe fasted. The Bible didn't tell us specifically. But when you have something that's really next to your heart, in a day and time where people thought, if you're not having children, as they said with the the person that was born blind that Jesus heals, who sinned? Him or his parents that he was born blind. They associated an infirmity or some act of, of that was negative or hurtful as connected directly to sin. Now, sometimes that can be the case. When we sin, we do get some negative consequences. But this is not the case here. In a world that is a fallen world, ladies and gentlemen, listen carefully. If you don't get anything else today, understand this. This is a fallen world. We fell when sin entered into the world, and God put certain things in force today. Maybe you've noticed it. It's called gravity. You said, oh, yeah, when I was jumping up and down, so I keep going down. You may have noticed gravity. We also looked into the mirror, right? It affects our face. It affects where the chest of drawers goes into the seat of understanding there. You just, everything. Gravity. It happens. And so you can't have God's natural laws without affecting certain things. If a person that's an atheist or a person that believes in God falls down, there's consequences for it, Right? Natural laws of that with our blood flow and everything else. So they didn't have children. The Bible didn't say why. It just says she's barren. They didn't have children. They're, well, uh, they're up in their years. They're not going to have children. So what do we see here? We see that God does the unforeseen where people see dead ends. It looked like it was pretty much over. But they were still connected to God and worshiping God. And I want to submit to you today that your greatest obstacle may turn out to be your greatest blessing. Because some of you in this room right now are facing some things in life you never thought you'd ever have to face right now. Got some in this room that are in that way. Your prayer has been heard. You see, they didn't just start praying now for that. They were praying probably a long time. They're beyond childbearing years. They may have been praying 30, 40, 50 years. We don't know. They're up in age. They could buy the senior coffee at McDonald's or wherever they wanted to get it from. Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you'll give him the name John. So this is pretty incredible news when you think he's just in there on a special day. An angel appears to him and gives him this message. Pretty cool, huh? Right? God's heard your prayer. He heard it all along, but the timing was not right yet. And so you want to talk about a Christmas blessing. The message today has everything to do with the name of John, which means the Lord is gracious. When Christ came into this world, if ever there was an act of graciousness, it was that. When Christ hung on the cross, if ever there was an act of graciousness, it was that. The Lord is gracious. Is he not? Who is the best giver in the world? Who said it was more blessed to give than receive? The Lord Jesus Christ. Our God is a wonderful God. Let's see. Go to the next slide. We see John. It means the Lord is gracious. Grace, undeserved mercy. When a person receives undeserved mercy, they've received the gift of eternal life. That's what it's all about. Religion cannot save a person. No one can save themselves. Your own subjective, wise way to figure things out. God in his wisdom figured it out. He said, my heaven's perfect. You have to be perfect to enter. I will have to buy your perfection and I will pay the price for you because you can't pay it for yourself. I paid it for you. Believer's life is intended to live out 
what has happened to us, to be a living testimony to God, to what he's about, to God's graciousness. Now, God expects us to do it. And look how far God's graciousness extended to Elizabeth and Zechariah. Look how far it went. Do you think they were thinking at this point, well, maybe we'll get a child this next year, whatever. They were, they were beyond that. Their hopes for that were put away and they said, we're just going to trust God and keep living for God the rest of our lives. But you see, God, even though they may have given up on that, God hadn't given up on them. And it's been year after year, decade after decade, and here they are. God says, okay, I want to show you who I am and bring this your way. I do have this helmet here. It actually is a real professional football helmet from the Miami Dolphins. It was given to a man in our church, and I've had this in here before, that won the national Fox Sport Network, whatever, blah, 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 when they first went into the carrying the NFL 25, 30 years ago. And God providentially sent him to this church when they moved. And he said, oh, you're a Dolphin fan? Here, you can have this helmet that Don Shuley gave to me. And I said, thank you. And uh, here it is. And it's pretty cool. It's got all these pads inside. It has these warnings on the side. Uh, Do not use this helmet to butt or ram or spear an opposing player. This is a violation of the football rules. It can result in severe head, brain, or neck injuries. Uh, there is a risk these injuries may also occur as a result of accidental contact with intent to butt, but not to spear. So it's all right there. The players did not know that, right? It puts it right on the helmet, so I'm sure some litigant, uh, well, sir, it says right, right here, this on there. But anyway... It's there. Why is it there today? There's a reason it's there today. We'll get to that. As we look at Luke 1, 14, see what the Word of God says, and He will be a joy and delight to you, and many, many will rejoice because of His birth. So we're going to look at seven elements from John's life, from His name, that are extant in a disciple's life. These elements should be a part of every believer's life because they're significant and they're important. As we look at these seven, you can put your name in there, fill it in, look at it, and see, is this part of my life, my life of discipleship, my life of calling a believer in Jesus Christ? John's name is God's message. The Word of God says that he will be a joy and delight to you. Why was he going to be a joy and delight to his parents? It doesn't say he's going to make a lot of money and have a few houses and vacation here and there and whatever. It doesn't say that says he's going to be a joy and his life to you because he invested his life in the eternal things. He invested his life in the things that had eternal significance. Young people today, all of you out there, and there's a host of you out there today, there's no better investment that you could make that would please your parents and your heavenly father more than investing your life in the eternal things, things of eternal significance. You will have things flashing in front of your face. Many of you can have worldly success. There's nothing wrong with worldly success if it's kept in perspective. The most successful people in the world, as far as eternity is concerned, are people who are successful for God. 
And that's not just for the young people. It's for those, let me see what the Word of God says, that um, are of an age beyond well along in years. If you're well along in years, that means if you're over 21, you're well, then this is news. It's, it's something everyone should be involved in. Living for eternal significance. And every parent finds joy because their child would spend a life Serving God with their life on this earth when it really matters. So the first thing that we see in John's name is God's message. God is gracious. Because God's been gracious to you, live for him. Spend your life for him. Secondly, John's name is God's message. Also from verse 14, it says, Many will rejoice at his birth. What a great thing. John was used by God to reshape culture. Many will rejoice at his birth. Why? Because the culture in that day and time was filled with errant religion, with paganism, with pantheism, with legalism, with all kinds of isms. And they had gotten away from the truth. Even to those Jews in that day and time, the temple was turned into a shopping mall. The Sabbath, rather than a day of worship, became a day of trying to watch out for how many sticks you'd pick up for a fire or how many steps you would take or if your garment got ripped, how many stitches you could put in before it counted as work and on and on and on. The Sabbath became a burden to people. Religion was a burden. Remember, you shall call his name John, which means the Lord is gracious. Not going to put some burden on you to make you carry religion and do this or else you're not going to get into heaven and do that. God's gracious. Religion, man-made religion, Religion that had gone perverted was not doing anything for people. Think about it. They lived with burdens. God wants you to make an eternal, lasting contribution. Can you say you are contributing to the reshaping of culture? And these young people are growing up in a different culture than you and I grew up in. Those of you that are of, of well-aged, right? A different culture. Their culture has acceptance of all kinds of marriage, all kinds of gender identities, all kinds of definitions of sin, if there is sin, growing up in that. They face it, they look at it, their peers believe it, their teachers have it. I'm generalizing to some extent, but not totally. Are you reshaping culture? What are you doing to reshape culture? You see, part of our culture is today, what season is this? It's it's blank. It's blank time. Starts with a C. Christmas. Thank you. They knew it. It's Christmas time. Even if I'm in a store and someone says, Happy Holidays, behind the counter where I'm purchasing something, as the one purchasing, I can say whatever I want. I don't mean whatever I want. There's been times if I said whatever I want, it wouldn't be good. But there's, I, I just say, Merry Christmas. God bless you. Great time of year. Look, God entered time and whatever. Say it. Be afraid to say Merry Christmas and let them know you're a Christian because there may be other opportunities in that place to go back in there and bless people. I was in a line just recently. I was in a line, dot, dot, dot. And the person in front of the other six people who were in front of me and the three behind me, there was a person purchasing these lottery tickets. And the person ordered the lottery tickets. It's their choice. Don't get me wrong. I think, bizarre to me, it's an oxymoron, educational lottery. 
military intelligence. No, governmental intelligence, military. And so they do this, and they're doing whatever they do with them. I don't know what they do with them. And then the person turns around and says, oh, I just want a few more. Then the guy has to go back and get some more. And by this time, people who don't know Jesus are saying all kinds of things. And I'm not real sad about it, to tell you my sinful, rotten nature. But there was some behind me, and I said, you know, before I knew Jesus, I said, I've got to use this. has to be used some way. I said, I'd have been jumping in and saying things I'd probably get arrested for right in this line right here. And uh, he said, oh, and I just got to share a little testimony in my life, just standing there in that line and turned my ungraciousness into something that God, I hope, would use. I hope he did. I know he used it in my life. I left there and said, boy, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I'm not in jail and accused of jumping over a counter and breaking all that. Anyway, many will rejoice at his birth. You see, part of what John did was help reshape culture. You all are going in this way, but I'm going to stand in the way, not arrogantly, but I'm going to tell you the truth. We don't have enough truth tellers out there. Speak the truth and speak it in love. But God says, speak the truth. Luke 1.15. Word of God says, he'll be great in the sight of the Lord. You see that? In the sight of the Lord. There's a lot of great people on the earth, aren't there? He's never to take wine or the fermented drinks, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Wow. Let's look at that. Let's see what other points we have here to look at as far as some of the seven elements that are carried in John's name. He'll be great in the sight of the Lord. There are many that are great in the sight of this world. You watch some of the people you may support through your team uh, do great things this past weekend or in your pro- whatever it is. It's sports. I get it. There was a time in my life it was God with a capital G, capital O, capital D. God, but it's not God anymore. You find out whatever you make God can hurt you, right? And if your team's not doing well, my happiness went with the happenings. I enjoy sport for what it is, like a good game, but I try and keep that in perspective. I've got no television with sneakers or shoes through it or bottles, but there were probably years ago, I would have thrown a bottle to it at a TV set. Would you have done that? Probably. So, We look at that and we see some of the heroes of today. And there's nothing wrong with being here. In fact, if you're a believer, be the best in your field and use it for God. There's guys like Tim Tebow that have done that. Use it for God. That's what really matters. That's what really is going to last. He'll be great in the sight of the Lord. There's a lot of people that only want to be great in the sight of this world and use it for themselves. But you see, one of the characteristics of God's gracious in your life is to be great in His sight. Jesus said in Mark... 836, what good would it be if a man gained the whole world and lost his own soul? And there are people every day trading their soul in for way less than the world. Way less than the world they trade it for. And they have no use for God, no use for the things of God. Not out there. Being someone that's going to be great in God's sight. Be great in God's sight. God will lift you up. He says, humble yourself I'll lift you up. You want to see some of the keys to success with life. These are some of the keys to the success of your life because God has been gracious to you. Think about it. God's graciousness. You see, this helmet 
people. By the way, who knows the average salary of an NFL player this year? Anyone know? I, I just looked it up, so I just I was interested because I looked up 1969. I looked up 1969. I was telling someone about the average salary back then. He said, no way. But back in 1969, the average, this is for the high, people with the highest, was $25,000. Most of the people working two jobs. It's about people like Jim Brown and the Hall of Fame players selling cars, selling insurance, doing lots of other things in the off season. Twenty-five grand back then. You say, "Well, wait, that'd be a lot more today. Yeah, it'd be about one hundred fifty thousand today, right? Not one point six million. One point six million, the average salary. You can look it up yourself. I use my artificial intelligence device right here, and I." So who, who are the heroes? What's happening? Here are the heroes of God's world. When you live for him, stand for him, act in a way that's consistent with who God is in your life. You're not too young to be used by God. God can use you in your family. He can use you with your friends and your peers. God can use you to reshape culture. And last hour, we had some folks in this room sitting right over here. They started building a bridge with a young lady from China that was over here studying or to take her into her home, some meals with her. She came to Christ and is back in China. Her husband is a major head of a big part of that government. And I don't mean, I mean big. He got saved this past weekend. That's right. He got saved. From taking someone in who has no idea of the culture, of what anything about, taking him and having some meals, staying with her, praying with her. She's been through some, about with some diseases and other, and look what God's doing. Don't you ever dare think that the person you're speaking with in your school, in your workplace, or in a line someplace, that God's not going to do a great thing. John may have walked into that temple that day wondering what's going to happen, or maybe not even thinking about it, but God had a great thing in store. Live your life for God. Be great in God's sight. Next, it says that he is never to take wine or other fermented drink. He lived a disciplined and a consecrated life is what that's talking about. He would live a disciplined life. Let me ask you, are you disciplined? Now is the time to learn some key things in life of where you invest your time. Adults, students. Where do you invest it? Your journal will tell you a lot about where you invest your time. And there's time now to invest it in study, taking care of things at home like cleaning rooms and stuff like that, right? If you have a car, take care of that. Adults, you know the kinds of things you need to model. A disciplined life. We've lost some of that. But it begs the question, are you living a disciplined life? John was. Not to touch that. Other people may have it, but it wasn't for him. And you don't see any pastor in the Bible bemoaning that. Well, everyone else, everyone else. Now, I've never used that when I was that age. Everyone else gets to stay out later. Everyone else has a car. Everyone, everyone else, right? First of all, that's a lie. Not everyone else does. And by the way, your parents know that, okay? So don't try it. But that's not the point. Adults, you want to measure... You want a really quick measurement of how disciplined your life is for Jesus Christ? Want to know how deep your faith is? How deep your relationship is? You don't have to look any further than your bank statement, your checkbook, or your credit card. 
Pastor, that's a self-serving hit. What's wrong with you? I'm telling you what's true because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart be also. Jesus said that. You see, and we lack so much discipline to put that first and say, God, I'm going to pay the 10% because you want to claim, well, that's New Testament. God said, you know, give, you know, give as has been given unto you. It's new. Let me, find me a place. Any Bible scholar out there, find me a place where Jesus negates the script, the Hebrew scriptures. He doesn't. You bring your tithe and offering to the storehouse. There's a lot of folks out there going to give a thousand dollars to a person they know in a mission field or in some organization feel like that's their tithe for the year. First of all, a tithe means a tenth. A pastor, you mean a tenth of my salary? Is that before tax or after tax? Let me answer the question for you, okay? Since I've already lost half of you anywhere, right? Let me, no, I'm just kidding. Let me answer the question. Pay God before you pay the government. Thank you. Pay God before you pay the government. Do that first. That's great for you to spend my money. Even for you to say you're a pastor, you've got to do it. They're gonna, they'll probably fire you if you don't. Right? They must check up on you. I don't know if they do or not. That wouldn't make me give. I was giving, so I just, in case of any critic watching or looking on there, what about you? Yeah, you're a pastor, you do that. I was doing that when I had to walk and go find bottles to find food. Because I was dumb enough to believe God would provide all my needs. I was there doing that and giving a tenth of what I made off the top because this is what God says to do. Of course he'll take care of me. And if it's his need for me to die, if I don't have enough food, then God will use that. I wasn't churched enough yet to outthink God. Start it now. If you work part-time, student... Or if some of you younger children get a, an allowance, give part of, give a 10% of that. Very easy to God. And then start from there and go forward. If you want to support other things, that's called an offering. But start in the storehouse. People say, well, you need to, church, what is the church tithe? We tithe everything, our time, our efforts, and all of that. We support lots of other things, but it starts right here. Bring it to the storehouse, part of your disciplined life. Thank you. Those of you that brought a neighbor today or are listening with someone, Please listen again next week. I won't talk about giving, I promise you. But let me say this to you. I don't apologize for it. I wouldn't want you to miss a blessing. I wouldn't want you to miss a blessing. I better not say that. Turn off people, right? Listen, it's not, it's not going to me. I don't, get a, I don't get a tenth of what comes in here. Maybe that's not. Can we make a motion for <laughs> it? Talking about the joy of giving. That's what I'm talking about. Say, God, before any of this went any other place, you gave me the ability to earn something. And I'm paying you even before the government. I'm giving you 10% to start right off the bat. God bless you for doing it. And let me just say this to those that are watching. So many of you already do that and above that. Thank you. God bless you. Pastor, what's the matter? The budget suffering this year? No, it's up 5%. Your giving is up 5%. Not about getting more, doing more. And it, God. Amen? God is good. Bring up that next point. John's name is God's message. Filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. What a great thing. God equipped John on a special mission. You say, well, yeah, John had a special mission. God equipped him. Let me say this to you today. Yes, he had the Holy Spirit from birth. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, trusting him only for your salvation, do you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you? Yes or no? Yes, thank you. Even our 10th grader got that right over there, right? That wasn't a bubba question. Yes! Now, let me tell you what John didn't have. He didn't have the New Testament. 
did he? He wasn't alive to see the cross, was he? He didn't see some of the prophecies we fulfilled, did he? We have. We have the same Holy Spirit he had. And every single person in this room is on a special mission for God. If you have Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, there's a special mission for all of us. I'm on one, you're on one. And the people that may have the the most incredible impact, maybe just some folks that just come here week after week and took in a Chinese student who's studying over here that may have tremendous ramifications for a nation. You see, the problem is we think too small. We think, well, what am I going to do? What can I do? You and I can do nothing without him. But when you allow God to let you be in that special mission and own it and start to live in the joy of your salvation, there's no telling what God wants to do. Live it out. Look for that next person. Be willing to talk to the next person. Be willing to be a blessing. Someone in our church told me in the lobby this morning, they were at the store, they brought up their things, and and the person said, you don't owe anything. They said, what do you mean I don't owe anything? No, that person paid for your groceries. And the man from our church went up to the other man, said, well, I know his name. He said, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, it's not about me. And the person kept asking me, he said, well, I'll, I'll just tell you, I'm from Lawndale Baptist Church. <laughs> How cool is that? A random act of blessing, right? But there's ways all through the day to be a blessing to people and open up doors. Jesus said, the children of the kingdom are shrewder with their kind The children of the world are shrewder with their kind than the children of the kingdom. Use mammon. Use your resources to build bridges to people. It's a great way to do it. It's wonderful. It's a blessing. God's message is he is gracious. Tells us also, bring up that next slide. Thank you. Many people of Israel, he will bring back to the Lord their God. What a great, great thing to be said. The fact is that God was, did use John in a very special way. He used him in a special way to bring people to the Lord. That's part of my special mission and your special mission, to do that. How do we do it? It's every day. It's trusting God, waking up, saying, God, today I'm your servant. It's your day. You gave me another day. We think, we think, even if you're 50, 60, 70, 80, well, I'm still doing well, I'll be okay. Do you realize we have someone, a precious part of this church in her early 20s? It's in an incredible battle right now. It's graduated college, diagnosed with a stage four pancreatic cancer. A lovely person. I love her. She's dear. Maybe sitting in here today. I don't know. We don't know. Don't presume because you're young that your car is indestructible or your body is or you have another day. Your grandmother lived to be 157, whatever. It doesn't make any difference. Jesus said there's not a person that knows about tomorrow. There's no time to waste to get on board with God. Today is the day. Bring people to the Lord. He will bring people. It's part of our mission. It's what it's all about what God does in our lives when we listen to him when we're obedient to him. Bring up the next slide. And verse 17. He'll go out before the Lord and the spirit and power. You knew I'd get Elijah in there. Isn't that something? 
How about that? Elijah turns up again. And the power of Elijah, what did Elijah do? Elijah was out there seeking to bring people back to God, to reshape culture, to bring joy out there to people that were lacking in joy, all the people who were hiding away, and turn the hearts of their fathers and their children to their children. Isn't that interesting? And the disobedient to the wisdom and of, of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. What did God do? Same way he didn't, John, he wants to use in us. The spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children. John prepared people for Jesus' arrival. See, if you're a believer here today, you believe Jesus is coming back one day. And Jesus' arrival, in another sense, comes every Christmas time when we put up this scene. It depicts a program we're happening, and it's a wonderful program, the Greensboro Christmas Spectacular, and it gives a little, it's a cleaned up little thing. But let's face it. Jesus didn't come to any palace. He was in a place that smelled like where animals do all their business. And he was in a feeding trough with some hay. And opposed to kneeling here. I don't think Mary's ready to kneel quite yet. Right? It was not the great, great entrance, except God can take a humble entrance and make it great. He says, angels appear to shepherds, doesn't he? And eventually he sends some magi, some wise men, to go bring some gifts when Jesus gets a little bit older. It's amazing, isn't it? God is gracious. And you and I are called to bring that message of God's graciousness to our world. I'll not be in your world. I may intersect some places in your world part of the week. But there's school, middle school, high school, elementary school, workplaces, neighborhoods. God wants us to work This helmet is just a reminder to me of something, and that is this. When the Miami Dolphins were formed in Miami, Florida, obviously, um, I went to their first home game. I actually won a football at that game, and it was kind of memorable to me. It's also memorable for another reason, and that's why I brought this. There's probably not a person here, maybe except for a crazy Dolphin fan, that would know who was their first coach. George Wilson. George Wilson was, right? And, and did, his son was the quarterback for a while, George Wilson Jr. How would you like that? Am I going to get to play, Dad? You bet. <laughs> I bring that up because the point I want to make is not about that George Wilson. The George Wilson I want to talk about, ironically, as it would be, and I'd looked at Christmas season, planned this a while back. I didn't realize I was getting into this a little bit. There's a George Wilson and a man by the name of Sam Porter on December 6th, 1829. Almost 190 years to the day. December 6th, 1829, that they robbed a mail carrier and got caught. Okay? I want you to hear what the crime was very quickly. They got tried and accused of robbing mail and putting the life of the driver in jeopardy. They didn't kill the driver. They put the life of the driver in jeopardy, and they robbed the mail. They were tried, and this is different days of government. It's different days of justice. They put that life in jeopardy by whatever they did. I haven't read the 
I've read pretty extensively on it, but exactly what they did, I don't know. But he was in jeopardy. He didn't die. They were both sentenced to death. They were both sentenced to hang by the neck until dead for putting the life of someone, for putting the life of someone in jeopardy. And that spring, I believe it was May, early May. Now, remember, this was committed in December. In May, Sam Porter was hung. What about George Wilson? George Wilson was given a presidential pardon by Andrew Jackson. Don't have to hang by your neck until dead. I want want to read you what Supreme Court Justice John Marshall says about this because, well, let's see what he says here. Let's go down here. All right. It tells us by John Marshall, once again, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, the court cannot give the prisoner the benefit of the pardon unless he claims the benefits of it. It is a grant to him. It is his property, and he may accept it or not as he pleases, Chief Justice John Marshall wrote. And you can read it if you like. A pardon is an act of grace. Proceeding from the power entrusted with the execution of the laws, delivery is not completed without acceptance. And George Wilson is the only person I believe, what I read in history, that didn't accept a presidential pardon. And he was hung by the neck until dead. But he didn't have to be. He didn't accept it. God's graciousness goes out to all the George Wilsons of this world. That people that don't want to accept the graciousness of an act. And dear friend, listen carefully. Jesus Christ loves you. This Christmas, as much as it is, family, friends, food, fellowship, traveling, great memories, all that's good, but it's not enough because all of us will leave this world. And God has provided the greatest gift there is. God is gracious, and he's offering salvation as a gift, but you must receive it. You can't just acknowledge it. You have to receive it. The chief justice of the United States at that time, John Marshall, stated very clearly in his writing, can't force it on someone. And because he refused it, he died. Dear friend, to refuse what Christ has done for you, the gift of eternal life, if you refuse it, you will die. Biblical death, listen carefully. Everyone will stop breathing at some point. Biblical death means you're separated from God forever. That's biblical death in a place called hell. But you don't have to go there. Because you may have been wondering, why would somebody do that? Why would someone not take the pardon and would stand there in the gallows with a rope around their neck and a hood over their head and dangle and die. Why? Doesn't it seem crazy to you? Why would someone go to hell? They don't have to. Today, believe John's name. The Lord is gracious. 
He's provided salvation for you. Today, if you trust Christ as the one who paid for your sins on the cross, he bled and he died on the cross to take our punishment. The payment for sin is death, separation from God. Jesus did that for us. He bled and died, rose from the grave three days later and offers eternal life as a gift. Your pardon is paid. Then you live as a good citizen of heaven. Not to get to heaven, but you already are a citizen of heaven. You live in thankfulness and gratefulness. As pastors come forward now, if that's a decision you need to make this Christmas season, make it today. You know whether or not you are George Wilson or someone who's received God's grace. Believers out there, let me say this to you. Today may be your day when you looked at one of those seven points and said, you know what, I've, I've missed that. God spoke truth into my life today about my life as a witness, as a giver, as a dedicated person, as someone who's separated unto God. And God, you spoke to me today. And today, I want to just pray about that. Today, you may be going home for Christmas in a couple of weeks, students, family members, adults, and you know there's someone around that table that doesn't know Christ. It's probably more than likely. If I ask you to raise your hands, hands will go up all over. God wants to use you. And if you'd like to have prayer for a person in your class, in your family, in your workplace that needs Christ, come up and pray with one of these deacons or pastors. We'd love to do that. Come up and just do it. I need to pray for this person. I need strength. I want to do it. I want to give God's message out this Christmas. And if you don't have a church home, every believer in Jesus Christ needs a local church home. It's the storehouse. You bring your resources, your time, your effort, your prayer to a place called the local church. And we'd love to have you here if you've already accepted Christ and the gift of eternal life. We'd love to have you as part of this church. New members class starts January 19th. Come forward as a candidate for membership. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you to respond. As the Holy Spirit of God showed you today, you need to respond appropriately to Him. Terry's here to lead us. Don't wait.